feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, some stunning reporting coming from the New York Post that companies tied to Hunter Biden got at least $100 million from a Russian oligarch. Of course, it begs the question, what were they paying for? Where did the money go? Did any go to the, quote, big guy? Uh, the real estate company with ties to Hunter Biden received more than $100 million from a Russian billionaire for property investments across the United States that date back decades, according to the Post. Also, big money coming specifically from Russia's wealthiest women, including the widow of the former mayor of Moscow. We knew that she had helped give some money, but now we're finding out that she in particular paid at least $40 million to that real estate firm run by Hunter Biden. I mean, this is huge money. What were they paying for? We didn't know he was a real estate executive, too. We've seen what he does on video, and it's not real estate. You know, it's not uh, oil, uh, basically consulting. And yet we are finding these enormous sums of money. And now the New York Post, with a staggering report, saying that $100 million alone from a Russian billionaire, including also $40 million from the former mayor of Moscow, the wife of the former mayor, giving $40 million to Rosemont Realty. That is, of course, that company with strong ties to Hunter Biden. And all this while, President Biden was vice president of the United States and also afterwards. So it begs the question, what were they paying for and who is looking into these big, big numbers? Some of these things are corroborating what Tony Bobolinsky, who has come forward and said that he had meetings with Hunter Biden and, quote, the big guy and a number of others. So does this now provide even more fuel to Congress to look into Hunter Biden We will keep you posted. But again, a stunning number showing that Hunter Biden continues to cash in on his dad's name. And you wonder what they were getting. You don't just pay somebody that kind of money and not expect something in return. What did they get in return? More than a crummy painting, let's hope. We'll keep you posted with what it is. Um, And also take your calls later on in the show on that, because that is a stunning, stunning amount. Meantime, another stunner. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says, no, there is no crime. Don't. What are you talking about? People dying in the subways or getting slashed or stabbed. No, no, no. It is only a perception of crime. Take a listen to what the mayor said. This, to me, I think is so disconnected from reality. I think it's also just really completely disrespectful to victims of crime. And if you see the numbers, it's not accurate either. But take a listen. This is what the New York City mayor had to say. 
we're dealing with actual crimes, those eight uh, homicides, and we're dealing with the perception of fear that people are feeling. That's the combination. And I must deal with that perception and the actual crime. We can't get away from the fact we have 3.5 million people using our subway system. We, we have to be honest about that. And those average of six crimes a day is not giving the impression that our system is out of control. It's just not, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you, um, Nolan. Uh, and so uh, my goal is to continue that deployment and enhance that police coverage and, and to make sure that we deal with the mental health crises, not only on our subway system, but on our streets. Uh, Mr. Mayor, it's more than a perception. And a perception also, by the way, is certainly becoming reality because there are people who do not want to come back to New York City. They don't want to ride the subways. And the numbers are sky high in a number of major violent categories. To me, we're going to talk about that later on in the show because that is an outrageous statement. Like, what crime? They want us to believe. No, don't worry about all the statistics. Don't worry about the people getting stabbed on the subway or walking down the street. No, it's not crime at all. That, to me, is so insincere and so out of touch. We're going to be talking in about an hour or so from now to former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani and get his take on all of this and the strategy of the Democrats kind of wishing things would go away. And we'll get your calls on that as well. It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, coming up, in just about 25 minutes or so here on the show, we are going to be talking to one of the most successful businessmen in America, David Sokol. He was basically the right-hand man to Warren Buffett at Berkshire, Hathaway, Berkshire Hathaway years ago and a superstar in the business arena, superstar in tech, has a brand new book out called America in Perspective. And David is going to talk about also some of the woke politics that are infesting America on so many levels. And case in point, as we have been looking at in just the last 24 hours, you look at the polls, clearly crime is not just a perception. It is a huge concern of American voters. Crime is up there on the list. Inflation's up there on the list. Economy is up there on the list. All of these things are top of mind to Americans because they're very worried about it. Safety, security, money, your finances. You feel it when you go to the store, when you go to buy a loaf of bread, or if you go to a restaurant, try to take your kids somewhere. It costs so much money. And you're also worried. There are a lot of people. I was talking about the subway a few moments ago. It has half the ridership that it did before COVID. And that's because people just don't want to ride on the subway. I rode on the subway. I remember it was a couple months ago. I was like, okay, I'm ducking, weaving. I thought I was in like, you know, the wild west. I was like, oh, my God, you know, whoo, I made it. And that's the way a lot of people feel. It is such a scary time, and that's in many big cities across this country. And you look at the polls consistently. These are what are polling at high numbers. They're usually one, two, or three on the list of issues. But what is our president talking about today? This is stunning. He is talking about climate change, and he's talking about abortion. Because they believe if they don't talk about crime and they don't talk about border and they don't talk about inflation, they don't talk about economy, that they can just say, oh, everybody else is crazy. What what inflation? What economy? What crime? What open border? I mean, it's like this wishful thinking that if they keep going, what? Maybe it goes away. And take a listen. This is Joe Biden saying what he will do 
on his first day in office, the first bill he'll push for. Take a listen. It's not about the inflation. It's not about crime. It's not about border. This is what he says. Take a listen. Right now, we're short a handful of votes. If you care about the right to choose, then you got to vote. That's why in these midterm elections are so critical to elect more Democratic senators to the United States Senate and more Democrats to keep control of the House of Representatives. If we do that, here's the promise I make to you and the American people. The first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. And when Congress passes it, I'll sign it in January, 50 years after Roe was first decided the law of the land. Wow. So if the Democrats keep the House, then I will codify Roe v. Wade. Now, listen, two things. First off, that's not what's on the top of list of voters' concerns. And he's not paying any attention to security and all these other things. But in reality, if he really wanted to codify Roe v. Wade, he could do it right now. He absolutely could do it right now. He could start pushing it right now, but he's not pushing it because he wants to use it as a political election issue because he thinks that that will galvanize some Democratic voters. And it probably will galvanize some Democratic voters. But he is not paying any attention whatsoever to the economy, to crime, to border. And in fact, it's so abundantly apparent that at the press conference, take a listen to this exchange with Corinne Jean-Pierre when reporters were saying, you know, what's going on with the economy? What are you doing? What are you doing to help make sure that people have food on the table and can pay their bills? Take a listen to this wild exchange from the White House press secretary. More than on inflation, on inflation. Um, can you give us a timeline? You've laid out eloquently what the president's been doing. Is there a timeline for when Americans can start feeling some economic pain relief? So in regards to the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, early next year, they will see uh, some of the, um, uh, some of the uh, uh, pieces of that. When you th- think about an energy cost, when you think about um, uh, uh, the uh, Medicare kind of benefits from that. So we'll see uh, some movement on that early next year. But when we talk about inflation, gas prices, that's been something that the American people uh, have seen for the past several months, several weeks, and has, as cost has been coming down. Uh, and the hearing aids uh, that I just laid out, that's something that uh, once I have a clearer timeline we'll, that Americans are going to see that I'll share with you uh, on all of that. And so it was like, uh, things are going to get better in sometime in 2023 or 2024. Just kind of hang with us and vote us in and just trust us. Trust us. No worries about that. But let's go back to climate change. These people are so out of whack. So here's another question coming about Joe Biden and asking, really, is he understanding? Is he looking at the polls where people are worried about the economy, inflation and crime? Take a listen. Here is another exchange with Corinne Jean-Pierre. This is Peter Ducey of Fox News asking her the question. What is President Biden's top domestic priority now? Is it inflation or is it abortion? The president's going to continue to talk about issues that matter to the American people. And 
Abortion is one of them. Majority of the American people uh, disagree with the decision that uh, that the Supreme Court made, the Dobbs decision. That is a majority of the people uh, disagreed with that. When it comes to the economy, the president has made it very, very clear. When it comes to inflation, it is the, his number one economic priority, and he is doing everything that he can to make sure that we lower prices. It's his number one economic priority. Did you notice that? Not his number one priority. In other words, that's not the biggest issue for him right now. It's Roe v. Wade. And that's what he thinks will win the election. That and talking about climate change. What do you think, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Has this president completely missed the mark? Because if you look at some of the new polls, it's even showing that independent women in particular, which are a key voting block, especially getting the independents in general, but independent women in particular are moving away toward the GOP because they feel much better about Republican policies on crime, safety, the economy, inflation, all of those key issues. What are your thoughts? What are you going to be thinking about when you go to the voting booth? Because guess what? Election Day, I can't believe it, is only three weeks away. And this is really a mega election day because policies, so many things are on the table, 1,000%. And you just heard from Joe Biden. If you think that he is pushing a radical agenda now, wait and you see what happens if they continue to have the House and the Senate. They're going to like double and triple down in the next two years. And then they're going to use that as the platform for whether it's him running for president or somebody else. And you can bet that if he doesn't see the House win, if he loses the House and maybe loses the Senate or loses even just the House, say it's a big shellacking, I don't think Joe Biden will be on the ticket on the Democratic side. The Democrats are going to say, please, we're begging you, Joe, please get out. In fact, even today when he was trying to push his message of climate change and all this other stuff, it was rambling. It was like, ah, uh, and the this and the that and the everything else. It was like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, you know, he couldn't even make that coherent. It just sounded completely out of touch. And yet, Nancy Pelosi on the Democratic side wants us to believe that Joe Biden deserves to be on Mount Rushmore. Take a listen to her. But in some cases, there's no substitute for experience. And I think that what we have been through with the legislation under the leadership of President Biden, who has done a spectacular job, he's had a better two years than most uh, presidents that you can name, certainly in the recent generations. He's had a better record than most recent generations. I mean, she's saying he's had a better track record than Obama, than Clinton, Uh, Then a whole bunch more. Republican, Democrat, you name it. This guy better than Trump. Better than, you know, I mean, Reagan. I mean, we're how far back generations. That's we can keep going. You know, I mean, this is insane. What kind of planet are these people on? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, when I heard Nancy Pelosi making that statement. It sure reminded me of Joe Biden himself making the statement just about a week ago in an interview. Who could forget this one? What's your message to Democrats who like you, who like what you've done, but are concerned about your age and the demands of the job? Well, they're concerned about whether or not I can get anything done. Look what I've gotten done. 
Name me a president in recent history that's gotten as much done as I have in the first two years. Not a joke. You may not like what I got done, but the vast majority of the American people do like what I got done. And so I just, it's, it's a matter of, can you do the job? And I believe I can do the job. I've been able to do the job. I've gotten more done. I got the inflation reduction. I got all these pieces of legislation passed. And I ran on that. I said this is what I was going to do. And I'm still getting it done. We've got, you know, dealing with, you know, making sure the veterans get compensated for the for you know, burn pits. the burn pits, making yeah. sure that we're in a situation where we finally have action on guns. And by the way, I'm going to get this assault weapons ban. Before this is over, I'm going to get that again. Not a joke. And watch. What about going after criminals? What about securing our southern border? To me, that is outlandish. And by the way, we know that tomorrow he is supposed to announce that he once again is going to be tapping into the strategic uh, preserves. That, to me, is really, really astounding. The strategic oil reserves. And that is going to be basically saying we're tapping into our emergency issues one more time. Because guess what? He doesn't want to have prices come up right before the elections. He'd rather put us in a safety disaster and a precarious situation and win the elections than do the right thing. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And coming up on the Rita Cosby Show, we're going to be talking and doing our Back the Blue segment where we honor our great law enforcement. I love doing that every night here on the show. We also have one of the top businessmen in America, David Sokol, who was once Warren Buffett's right-hand guy. And also Rudy Giuliani is going to be joining us about Mayor Eric Adams, who said crime is just a, quote, perception in New York. There really isn't bad crime after all. Wow. What planet is he on? Meantime, we're talking about the planet that President Biden's on because he continues to push. Here it is three weeks before the midterms, the all-important midterms. And yet he is talking about climate change and codifying Roe v. Wade. No mention of the economy, no mention of the border, no mention of crime, none of that. Because that doesn't seem to be important to President Biden, despite those being the top issues in the polls that all of us care about, that all of us in the polls clearly say are the key issues. What are your thoughts about the fact that he is so disconnected? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill on line three. Bill, your thoughts about this? Yes, ma'am. One thing which I don't have to say, I've lived through many presidents from Eisenhower on. I've never seen another president, even Jimmy Carter, who was less assertive than Mr. Biden is, in that when, when Mr. Putin was about to invade Ukraine, he said what the United States would not do. Now, as you know, in dealing with an authoritarian dictator and a warmonger like Mr. Putin, one doesn't set out preconditions of what he will not do if Mr. Authoritarian Dictator will invade a country. One thousand percent. When he said a minor incursion, right, Bill, is that what you're referring to? 
Exactly, exactly. And he was limiting what the United States would do. Now, I mean, if the if the allies, if England, France and the United States had done that at the beginning of World War Two, Europe would be speaking German. One thousand percent. That's a great point, Bill. And the minute he said that, I agree with you. It emoted weakness and it presented this, you know, oh, here's the uh, here's the gray line. Feel free if you do this. Don't worry about it, Putin. And what did he do? He invaded. And I contend had Biden put forces there in place ahead of time or at least sent a message he might consider it in the Poland area, that might have stopped it. But he doesn't think ahead on anything. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, I love doing this segment every night where we honor our great law enforcement and their families. A powerful story coming from Arlington Heights, Illinois, where a police officer, Tristan Shoney, got a huge hug from a little boy named Colin Connolly, who he helped save his life. On Monday night, the humble officer took a moment to thank his family and the law enforcement officers who were there that fateful day. We make each other better. We work as a team. And I thank you guys, the officer said. Body camera showed uh, from another officer the moment when Officer Shoney helped dislodge, of all things, a lifesaver candy from Colin's throat. The officer stayed calm while Colin clearly struggled and used the Heimlich maneuver to save his life. His mother, the little boy's mother, said, I was panicking. My husband saw it all happening in slow motion. Luckily, it was the national night out. So there was a lot of first responders around, and I just remember yelling out, we need help, we need help. The Connollys are beyond grateful for the life-saving action and for the officer who saved little Colin. And what a great story about the importance of officers and everything that they do to save lives, young and old. Well, we are talking about the fact that the Biden administration seems so focused on wokeness, also climate issues, abortion, but yet... They are not talking about the economy, inflation, crime, the border. There are so many things. And if you look at some of the latest polls, a new poll that just came out was asked by Fox News, do you, are you extremely or very concerned about? First top issue, overwhelmingly, 89% inflation, high crime rates, 79%. Some of these other issues go far down the list that President Biden just continues to focus on. And it just came out a little bit ago that he's going to tap into our strategic petroleum reserves again tomorrow. Those are our emergency preserves because guess what? He does not want to have high oil and gas prices right before the election. And the Saudis basically brushing them off. So now he has to look elsewhere. So he's going to tap into our emergency reserves which is really dangerous stuff. It's the lowest that has been in decades, but it's obviously all about politics. Won't drill here, but continue to go to those emergency reserves. And this is what economist Steve Moore had to say about the situation that we're faced with now, just from an economic and an inflation standpoint. Take a listen to this stunning number. You know, you said that I was insulted by the way things are going. I'm more infuriated, and especially when I hear Pete Buttigieg 
lie about the condition of the economy. Mm. I mean, look, let's face it. If you look back at the last six months of the of the Trump administration, as we were coming out of COVID, the economy was booming, Harris. We had businesses reopening. We had people going back to work. COVID was behind us. We had that vaccine coming out. The, the thing that is most infuriating is the economy. We shouldn't be talking about a recession right now. We should be growing uh, a boom time. As, uh, as my friend Larry Kudlow from Fox says very well that Biden inherited a high growth economy with low inflation and he's turned it into a low growth economy with with the highest inflation rate in 40 years. And Peter Ducey asked the White House press secretary, what about recession? What do you think about that? Listen to this answer. He's been working on the economy every day for 19 months. Now, Bloomberg economists are forecasting a 100 percent chance of a recession. So how is it that we can be barreling towards a recession uh, and the economy is, as the president says, strong as hell? So here's the thing about the economy, and I've said this many times. You've heard this from Secretary Yellen. You've heard this from Brian Deese, who runs our economic council, is that what we are seeing right now is the job market is strong. The labor force is strong. And that is not what we see usually before uh, before a recession. And so the and a lot of that is because of the work that this president has done. We, we are seeing an, an economy that is resilient. Uh, we are seeing an economy uh, that is going through to into a transition uh, with more stable growth, more st- steady growth. And that is because of the work that this president has done. That is because of the economic policy that he has put forward. And let me remind you, the economic policy that he's put forward is about building the economy from the bottom to, to uh, from the bottom to the top and the middle out. And that is so important because it means that we leave no one behind. It means that there's equity in everything that he uh, puts forward. And so, again, you're going to hear from the president about gas prices. That's, again, trying to make sure that we continue to keep prices low for the American and- people. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is one of the great business executives out there. He started his career as basically the right-hand man of Warren Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway. He is now the CEO of Teton Capital and one of the great guys out there. Uh, David Sokol has a brand-new book out. It is called America in Perspective, Defending the American Dream for the Next Generation. And David joins us. David, it's great to have you here. By the way, I love your book with Adam Brandon of Freedom Works, and it was great having dinner with you not too long ago and just hearing about your American journey, too, as well. Well, thank you, Reed. It's an honor to be on your show, and, and I appreciate you having me. You know, um, you came from, and we were talking about this, you have Polish immigrants. That's part of the reason you know I love you, because you know I'm half Polish. Um, and you come from very humble beginnings, and we're taught just the value of hard work growing up in rural Nebraska. Talk about just sort of your roots and, and how you got to be one of the most successful, I think, business folks out there. Uh, well, you're kind. Well, you know, you're right. My grandparents came over in, in the early 1900s from Poland, first my grandfather, uh, and then he established uh, what he could in Gothenburg, Nebraska, um, after having our name shortened at Ellis Island and and, uh, and various things, um, uh, he got to Gothenburg and started a little a little wood processing uh, facility, which is what he did in Konin, Poland, before they left. And uh, interestingly, unfortunately, I never got to meet my grandfather because he died uh, at 42 um, 
in an accident in that same same wood facility. But my father spent a lot of time talking to us kids about why his parents came over, what they taught him about that and, and why they did it. And it was all about opportunity. It was all about being able to chase their dream here without people getting in their way. And, uh, and, and one of the things that was interesting to me is I always asked him, you know, do you, dad, do you speak Polish? And he said, no, he said, my, my mom and dad wouldn't teach me Polish. They said that you're American now and you can be proud of your heritage, but English is your language and, and you will be held back if, if your only language is Polish here. And that was an interesting statement about their, how, how they recognize the importance of assimilation and what, what made us the melting pot. So with that, you know, my dad just literally reinforced us kids the American dream, which is chase your dream, decide what you want to do and work hard because here no one gets in your way. Government does not get to stop you from doing things and no one gets to tell you what you can do. You can determine that. So that, you know, and that just allowed me, you know, frankly, from probably the age of 10 on, I, I just understood that. And, and, you know, uh, my parents didn't get a chance to go to college, but, uh, but, but I did, as did my brothers and sisters. And we all did different things. My sisters became teachers. My brother became a professor uh, at a university. The other professor, the other brother became a ranch manager. And, uh, and I chose a business career. And, uh, you know, it, to, to me, it's, it's exactly what the founding fathers expected. It wasn't all about money. It was about doing what you want to do. You know, you also talk about um, in your book sort of the the dream of what is America. And we've talked a lot about a border on the show. I have, um, you know, the open border that we're seeing now. And one of the chapters in your book is called Why Immigrants Come to America, the sort of ideal that is America, what we represent to the world. Talk about that, because um, I never begrudge people wanting to come here. Um, I think it's the greatest country in the world. Uh, I'm first generation American and uh, my parents, my father was literally, I think I told you this was rescued by American troops. And when he saw American yeah. troops, he, he was crying. It was like a mirage. And, and we represent that hope, that beacon to the world that you so beautifully talk about in the book. Talk about who we really are. What, what's the best of us? Yeah, well, and, and immigration is what America is all about. You know, it's, it's interesting. We have these forces in America the last decade or so that want to break us down and, and turn us into tribes against each other. Um, you know, if you're white, then, then, then you should, you know, then blacks and, 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 and uh, people of different colors should be opposed to you because you're bad. And if you're, you know, if you're a, 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 uh, a gay male, then, then the, uh, the straight male, you know, he's, he's your enemy. And, and just this, this nonstop tribalization. And the reality is what's insane about that, if people would just stop and think for a minute, America is the most multicultural, most tolerant nation on this planet. Um, you know, we've been known as the melting pot for two centuries. And, and, and yet suddenly now we have to be broken and, and fight with each other. We're Americans and we need to get back to that because, you know, the founding fathers, they, they recognized the opportunity that freedom provided and they started the first country governed by the people. It's never been done before. It's really never been done since. And, you know, this, this unbelievable opportunity of we the people to create our own government, to, to elect our own representatives. You know, we're citizens of America. We're not subjects of America. 
And and but but this this notion about that we're that we're a bad country that we don't we don't tolerate we're not tolerant. There is no country out there, and I, and I just wish young people and others that spread these myths would travel more because there are countries today that being gay is a death sentence, being transgender is a death sentence. Iran just arrested a 22-year-old woman because she didn't have a scarf on. And she mysteriously died in their prison. But who is she arrested by? The morality police. That's not America. China is not a multicultural country. Um, you know, and, and, and so all of this, this self-flogging um, that we've been doing is so harmful. And so what the book is about, it's a nonpartisan book. It was not intended to be you know, right or left. It was to educate people Here's why America is extraordinary. Here's why America has achieved what it's achieved. And by the way, Americans aren't extraordinary. America is extraordinary. And the reason I say that is that we are an amalgamation of people from all over the world. And it, it's, the, it's the form of our government and it's the checks and balances in that constitution that have gotten us to be the economy of the world, the highest GDP in the world, the highest average income in the world the best health care in the world, and, and we can be better, and we need to be better. We still have racial issues that we, we need to be better at. We need to be better with gender issues um, and various things. And, and, but that's the nature of our Constitution is to be self-healing and bring people to the middle and continue to get better. Yeah, 1,000%. You know, you just cited, David, um, some big economic numbers, too, and sort of where we stand in the world. Are you concerned that our standing is weakening um, from so many different levels, some from a foreign policy, but also from an economic um, because of our rising debt, um, because of also you just heard uh, in the introduction there, Bloomberg is basically saying 100 uh, percent we're headed to a recession. Um, and it looks like tomorrow we're about to hear this president tap into the strategic petroleum reserves one more time, our emergency reserves. Um, how precarious do you think all of this adds to our economic security and and keeping the America that you and I love so much. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, there's a number of questions there, uh, Rita. But, but uh, first of all, we have to start. America is the economy that every other world craves for. But you are absolutely correct. At $32 trillion of debt, just the interest rate increases that have had to be made to slow down inflation because of the unbelievable amount of stimulus that, that this president has put on top of a bunch of stimulus that was already there for COVID. There was no need for that additional $2 trillion immediately after, after this uh, administration was elected. It was just pure politics. It was the, the, the inclination today that I'm going to become popular by giving money away. Um, and all they did is they, they just kicked, kicked inflation um, uh, into high gear. Now, we probably would have had some inflation even post post the Trump administration because we put a lot of stimulus in during that time. But just getting elected and throwing two trillion more, then a two trillion dollar infrastructure package, then a three quarter trillion dollar totally falsely named bill, a Inflation Reduction Act, which only a moron could believe that you can throw three quarters of a trillion dollars more into an overheated economy and somehow reduce inflation. I mean, it's just just comical. But so we do have an enormously strong economy. We can make a lot of mistakes and still survive. 
But there's one thing that's really insidious about what's going on these days, and that is there's no planning for any of this stuff. You know, we, we all of a sudden, because they could, passed a $2 trillion infrastructure bill. That's a lot of money. It's probably more infrastructure in total on an inflated basis than, than America's ever put in place. There's not a single plan. And it's being run by somebody who has put in place a secretary of transportation based on identity politics, not based on any qualifications for the job. We, we, we're destroying our fossil fuel industry for no reason whatsoever, even though everybody that knows energy knows that we'll be using more petroleum products as a planet in 2050 than we're using today. There's no plan. If you, if you want to wean us off CO2-producing energy, then develop a plan. Get America to, to sign on to it. Have a glide slope where we increase nuclear power, which is really the only way you can do it, and, and decrease the use of fossil fuel. But it will be the largest single economic shift a, corp, a country has ever gone through. But again, if the American people support it and agree with the, the mission, but there's no plan. That's our biggest problem today, Rita, is government just gives speeches and sound bites and says things like, well, we're, we've, everything we've done is to build up from the bottom and from the middle out. What does that mean? I have absolutely no idea what that means. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody does. Uh, great, great points. Well, David Sokol, I'm, this is such a powerful book. I love it. I've been reading it. I enjoy it so much. It reminds us of who we are, where we came from, and where we're going. It's called America in Perspective, Defending the American Dream for the Next Generation, uh, written by you and Adam Brandon of Freedom Works, and forward by Secretary Ben Carson, who I love as well. And it's so great to have you on the show. you got to come back on again soon, David. Your perspective and your appreciation of this country is really wonderful. Well, thank you, Rita. You're a great American, and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. You too as well. Thanks so much. Thank you, David. Again, the book, America in Perspective, everybody. When we come back, we're going to take your calls, everybody. What do you think is the biggest concern right now for America? We just tapped off a whole bunch of stuff there with David, uh, a great businessman and, again, CEO of Teton Capital, also was the right-hand guy to Warren Buffett, certainly knows his stuff. Um, Where are you most concerned, and do you think – As David and as I agree, too, this president doesn't seem to have a plan. The administration doesn't seem to have a plan. They got Buttigieg, who was a small town mayor, basically in charge of transportation. I mean, he's like the go to guy now. He's the most wanted guy, by the way, at different events across this country in the next three weeks for candidates because they don't want Biden there, but they don't mind Buttigieg. You know, how sad is that, that the small town mayor is the guy who is the guy delivering the message? Because the president sure doesn't seem effective in terms of translating the mission, and they do not have a plan, as David was just talking about. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. Well, you just heard from great businessman David Sokol saying it looks like this administration doesn't have a plan. 
and also talking about the importance of this great country that we all love dearly. And boy, there are a lot of things that seem to be falling apart, not just issues with our economy, but crime, security. Look at the border. Uh, look at overseas. There are a lot of issues. And yet this administration, when the president has his druthers, he was talking about codifying Roe v. Wade today, making it that the priority, as well as climate change. I'm sorry. It's not like I'm thinking of climate change when I'm walking down the street by a whole bunch of homeless people. You know, I'm not thinking climate change. I'm thinking duck. 1-800-848-9222. And here is a little bit more again. This is Nancy Pelosi saying that this administration, boy, this is one for the record books. She thinks Biden is a huge success. But in some cases, there's no substitute for experience. And I think that what we have been through with the legislation under the leadership of President Biden, who has done a spectacular job, he's had a better two years than most uh, presidents that you can name, certainly in the recent generations. Would you put him in the category of some of the greatest presidents ever? I don't think so, guys. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Doreen on line seven. Doreen, your thoughts. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Rita. I just um, it's 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 it would be laughable if it wasn't so terrible. It really would be. Uh, Biden is just such a catastrophe as a president. I mean, he never did anything great all the years he represented Delaware as a senator. I, why did we expect him to be a good president? No, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I mean, I can't think of one thing that I would say that he really did well. I mean, he did well by, I think, dividing the country in many ways. I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> Rita, you say it perfectly. You're exactly right. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, your guest, David Sokol, was excellent. A really good uh, job by him and uh, a great interview by you. Uh, he has an excellent point when he says uh, we need a plan. He's so right. We need a plan for everything. We need a plan to com- uh, combat the crime. We have a crisis with crime. That is our number one concern. It should be a concern for every single citizen. And inflation, the economy, these are all at crisis points. Uh, Our border, what about our border? I can't believe we can't get this together and why the Democrats are all in lockstep with Biden's catastrophe with this. It is amazing. I don't get it. No, We can't get any Democrats to have some rational thinking. No, you're right. They need, some of them need a backbone. I'm with you. By the way, coming up also, um, during in the next hour, I'm going to talk about the fact that, guess what? There's a report that the Biden administration told the El Paso mayor, don't declare an emergency. It will make us look bad. Wow. And also coming up in just a few minutes, Rudy Giuliani is going to talk about crime. Eric Adams says it's just a perception. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So violent crime in New York City is up 31% year to year. But you're imagining that. That is a perception. 
and New York City transit crime, by the way, is up 41%. But you're imagining that, too. That's just your perception. That's your fear. And that is according to New York City Mayor Eric Adams. I mean, what kind of planet is this guy on? I couldn't believe when he made this statement just a little bit ago, basically saying when reporters were coming after him and saying, what are you doing? Are you finally getting a handle of crime? I mean, you're a former police captain. Uh, You've been now in office for a while. You know what the issues are. Why aren't you getting a handle of major violent crime, especially random violent crime that we've seen of late all over? There was a woman, by the way, stabbed by a pair of a, a guy, a homeless guy with a pair of scissors in Los Angeles, broad daylight. And then there was a case just a few days ago of a guy who was pushed into a train. These are happening over and over again. The first case in L.A., the other case in New York City. It is continuing to happen. And yet... The mayor of New York City actually had the audacity to say this. We're dealing with actual crimes, those eight uh, homicides, and we're dealing with the perception of fear that people are feeling. That's the combination. And I must deal with that perception and the actual crime. We can't get away from the fact we have 3.5 million people using our subway system. We, We have to be honest about that. And those average of six crimes a day is not giving the impression that our system is out of control. And so my goal is to continue that deployment and enhance that police coverage and and to make sure that we deal with the mental health crises, not only on our subway system, but on our streets. And then he basically says it's all about guns, 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 even though I just gave you two examples where guns weren't even used. And, of course, Lee Zeldin, who was running for New York governor, lashed back at the mayor. Take a listen to what he said. The attacks that are taking place are including people who are getting pushed onto a subway car. The person who died here yesterday, there was no there was no gun that murdered him. It was that like he got into a fight. The reporting is that there was a fight, a subway ends up on the tracks, the fight resulting in the victim on the tracks and he gets killed by a subway. Uh, we were just yesterday in the Bronx where someone got pushed in front of uh, got pushed onto the subway tracks. There was the four knife attacks in 10 hours that I referenced earlier. Those were knives that were involved. I I referenced Michelle Goh earlier, the the member of the Asian American community, pushed in front of an oncoming subway car. Raw, violent hate was pushed. The Green Goblin Gang, they didn't show up with guns, and they were attacking innocent victims. So um, the conversation with the mayor, the police commissioner, the MTA, the NYPD, with everybody, really has to understand that the issue that we're hearing about from riders is involving a whole bunch of other dynamics beyond just that element uh, related to, to firearms. And so what do you think, everybody? How insulting is it that the mayor says it's just a perception of fear? To me, boy, does that minimize things. And boy, is that an insult. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And joining us now, I think, is the greatest mayor of New York City, former New York City mayor, my friend, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, great to have you here on the show. 
Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm good now that I have you. And, and you know, Rudy, I got to get your perspective because it's outrageous sure. that Eric Adams has the audacity to say it's just the perception of crime, like it's inflated, it's made up. It's that to me, <laughs> I use the phrase that it's like an insult. It, it, it's outrageous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they must be taught that at Democrat lying school because this is exactly what Biden does. You know, the borders are secure. There is no inflation. Uh, uh, the economy is doing better. I mean, they keep they keep just saying things that are absurd. They're not even lies. They're like absurd. There were nine murders on the subway. You've got to go back 25 years to find nine murders on the subway. And there were twice as many riders nine years ago. So per capita, we've got more murders on the subway than probably over the last 30 or 40 years. I mean, crime is relative to the place you are. So uh, the fact is that with a 30% increase in crime, a city that's used to 30% less crime, they're hit with a 30% increase in crime in one year. That's like really being hit very, very hard. Now, I don't know why we have to explain this to him. This is something a politician in particular who should be sensitive to the needs of the people, his own people, his own voters. He should be able to get this. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just being trying to lie your way through it or being in another world in some other or this is a a new tactic of the democrat party to basically double talk do you think that there's something that like as you point out that's sort of trickling down because here's a guy first off that that he here's a guy but he was the you know a police captain in new york police department as you know for many years he knows. He sees the numbers. We all see it. If you walk down the street, you see tons of homeless people. You see so many issues. You know, it's like if people don't want to come to visit in New York. And it's not just New York. It's it's so many of the major cities across this country. There was a case, by the way, Rudy, it broke my heart. It was a video that just came out. Um, it was right around Philadelphia. And it was a whole bunch of kids coming upon to a gas station where there were some a whole bunch of cops throwing bottles at them, throwing rocks at them. Uh, doing whatever they can. It's this belittling of police, that combination with skyrocketing crime. People just feel emboldened and young kids and, and repeat offenders. They can just do whatever they want. Well, that I mean, that is directly a result of the policies of the Democratic Party. They spent two years attacking the police. They support Black Lives Matter. The same person who provides most of the money to Black Lives Matter is the biggest donor to the Democrat Party, Soros. Black Lives Matter exists to humiliate the police. Pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. They encourage the killing of police officers. Some of the highest officials in Black Lives Matter are cop killers. They were trained by cop killers who were let out of jail by Democratic governors. So this isn't like a uh, strange thing that happened starting at about, oh, really going back about six or seven years. 
the whole the whole focus of the Democratic Party has been to alienate society from the police and to make the police the bad guys, really to make the police the scapegoats to their own failure. So when you when you look at a community, I remember uh, years ago uh, when they had the riot in Baltimore, not, not so much years ago as de Blasio's first year, when they had the riot in Baltimore. The late Congressman Cummings stood in front of his district and said, nobody's done anything for this district in 25 years. Well, he represented it for 23 of the 25 years. That's so it was a failure. Right. It's and shocking. The only thing that ever happened in 25 years is his wife made millions of dollars. Now, I can tell you that story about any number of these districts where the murders are, are, are astronomical. It is a failed political leadership that blamed the problems on the police. They've made the police the enemy, and they've taught their constituents to disrespect the police at their own peril. I mean, it's, it's terrible for the honest and decent people in those communities. They want the police. They want the police respected. When I came into office, Harlem was like this. People wouldn't put a national store in Harlem because basically Charlie Rangel, David Dinkins, and their pals had sold out Harlem and become millionaires through inner city broadcasting. Let me ask you, Rudy, too, what's your comeback on the fact that Lee Zeldin, who, as you know, was running for governor of New York, uh, took a swipe at, at Adams, too, and said, and it ended the similar thing goes for Hochul, too, who he is running against, who's the incumbent there, Governor, that it's all about guns, 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 guns. Um, and yet none of them want to talk about this revolving door of repeat offenders. I mean, once in a while you hear Adam say something about it, but he's not doing anything about it. It's all lip service. Well, I mean, it's never been about guns. It's about people. Guns are an instrumentality. I mean, it's like saying that uh, the large increase in traffic deaths that are occurring in New York, oh, and by the way, and in places that have made marijuana legal or because of cars. <laughs> the person operating the car is the person that determines what happens with it. The person holding the gun decides what happen, happens with it. This is a failure and an unwillingness to look at human behavior because human behavior goes very much back to the kind of enabling the Democrat Party has done with criminals. I mean, they are a very, very large part of why we have so much crime. What's going to happen, Rudy? What's going to happen if these policies continue? What do you think is going to happen if, like, come November, um, the Democrats stay in power? It doesn't look that way based on the polls, but if they should stay in in power in the House and Senate, what's going to happen? Well, I think our society will crumble. I think that's what, what they're headed for. They they want to destroy America as we know it. So we become part of one world, the new order. They even tell us that. I mean, Soros explained it to us. America is a failed country. We should become part of a much bigger uh, world order. Obama's been talking about that for years. I mean, Biden doesn't talk about it because he probably never understood it. He's too stupid. But they have been aimed that way for, for, uh, for 12, 15, since Obama. Obama has 
talked about a fundamental change in how we're organized. I, I mean, he learned that from uh, he learned that from Marxists. It's not a, it, 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 the press won't tell you that, but he learned that from Saul Alinsky, who was a confirmed communist and Marxist and a mentor for Biden not Biden, uh, for Obama and for Hillary Clinton. Well, that's why, by the way, I tell everybody law and orders on the ballot for sure in November. And Rudy Giuliani, before I let you go, um, you were just one of the lucky ones. You came from a big ball game. I want to play. This is uh, when John Sterling, uh, when he made the call, uh, take a listen um, to the big win for Uh-oh. the Yankees. Here we go. Here we go. Pitch. Hit on the ground a short. Go to second force in time. Game over. American League Division Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. <laughs> was, were you screaming How along with him? That? <laughs> that was good. He's 80 years old, that guy. He's over 80, John. He's wonderful. I mean, that is just, that's wonderful. But, you know, the, the big, the big uh, moment was the stand home run. You know, that was really a great, great moment. And decisive. By the way, I want to tell everybody, too, Yankees won 5-1 to one against the Guardians, former Indians, again, speaking of woke. Um, right. And uh, the they moved they move to the American League, right? Now they're in the championships, and they go to Houston. So they could. We don't, not for sure, but, of course, everyone's waiting to see, will they make it to the World Series? But they're certainly uh, just inching at the door there. What was that like to be there? You were watching. I had to well, work. I had really, to work, it Rudy. Was, <laughs> it's, really, it's really exciting. And uh, it's nice to be, you know, it looks like a team that can go all the way. And I, it doesn't mean they will, but they look like a team that can. They've got the element. They've got the elements to do it, and they know how to win. And, uh, you know, Judge got up the first time, and he swung at a pitch and, and, and missed. And then Stanton got up, and I said to people, I bet Judge gets a home run the next time he gets up. This will challenge him, and it'll calm him. And, of course, he did. And, uh, I mean, they're a very, very competitive team. Uh, unfortunately, they've got to play another very good team, the Astros. Uh, last time we played them in a big thing like this, they cheated. Let's hope they don't do it this time. Yeah, let's pray. Listen, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, my friend. Who knows, right? So Who... I create a little trouble. Yeah, I love that. You 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 never escape trouble, whether it's with no, uh, talking about did. remember? They even got suspended from baseball, some of them. I remember that. I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> Rudy, we love you. Lucky you to be there. Uh again, All I you right. know, actually I'm gonna play the call again for you and I, just because this is amazing. Here it is. Here's the longest uh John Sterling call. Here it is again. Pitch. Hit on the ground a short. Go to second, force in time. Ball game over. American League Division Series over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. That's pretty impressive. Well, wow. I have to tell you though, I was I was home watching it. I wasn't able to go tonight, but I did, I was watching it. I well, was I'm- actually tweeting. I was actually tweeting. My commentary on it. Oh, I thought you were there, but you were there in spirit. No. Then I know you're a no, big Yankees I, I was fan. Reading all my sar- <laughs> my sarcastic remarks about uh, the, the the umpires mostly. 
<laughs> you got to keep them in line. Rudy, we love you. about the calls. Right? <laughs> hey, the Yankees won. That's all that matters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great win. You know, they came back from two games down. And they did that in 1998 also. Wow. And I am wearing my 1998 Yankee series ring today for that reason. Oh, that's great. That we is great. Two, we were down two games to one to the Indians in 1998. That's the game in which Knobloch forgot that the guys were running around the bases and started arguing with the umpire and two people scored. Wow. And then we came, we were buried, and then we came back, and we didn't lose another game after that. So let's see if we can do that again. Absolutely. Let's hope so. Thank you so much, Rudy. We appreciate it. By the Thank way, I was, I was there when they won 96, uh, the uh, World Series, and I was in the yeah, locker room. I got that some good a, stories. Yeah, that was that was beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks, well, Rudy. You. Love we'll, you, Rudy. We'll, we'll, get a, we'll get a game in before it's over. Don't worry. <laughs> For sure. All right. For sure. Okay. Thank you, Rudy All Giuliani. Right. Great, uh, great crime fighter and great baseball aficionado. We'll take your calls after the break, everybody, about fighting crime and Eric Adams saying that crime is just... It's just the perception. It's not reality. 800-848-9222. The reality is the Yankees are going, at least to the league championships. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We give you the sports update here and we give you the news. As you just heard, the Yankees win and are moving on to the championship. That's a big deal tomorrow night in Houston. Not the World Series yet, but inching closer and closer, which is, you can tell, I'm a little bit of a Yankees fan too, as you can definitely tell here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about Mayor Eric Adams of New York saying that crime is just, it's really a perception that crime is out of control, despite the fact that crime is surging 31% this year. Don't worry about the statistics. It's only in your mind. That, to me, I think is such an insult to every crime victim and every New Yorker, every big city citizen who sees it every single day, no matter what city you are in this country. And it's that mentality of like, oh, let's not pay attention to it. Don't worry about it. This is what Lee Zeldin, who's running for New York governor, had to say, if he takes office, this is what he will do. I've announced that the first day that I'm in office, I'll be declaring a crime emergency here in the state of New York. I'll be suspending a number of laws. And I will be encouraging the state legislature to work with me. And let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Is it time to declare a crime emergency? Let's go to William real quick. Line three. William, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm really disgusted with uh, Adam's performance and his party man mentality as my poor city goes up in flames with crime. My heart is, like, shot out. And uh, the point is, like, you know... With our crime escalating, um, like why can't we bring the National Guard in? And just- That's a great point. That's a great point. But he doesn't want to do it. He won't declare it an emergency. It's a perception. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. 
And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great veterans and their families, a story from Georgia, where veteran Frank Reese is being inducted into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame class of 2022, along with 14 other veterans. He said, it's really an honor to be nominated and more so to be selected. The 15-veteran class was chosen for three categories, Valor, Achievement, and Service. Reese was chosen for Valor. He was a reserve training officer uh, at college, and then he joined the U.S. Army just five days after his graduation. He was assigned to Fort Bragg 82nd Airborne Division as a lieutenant of infantry. And at first he was jumping out of planes, but then he said he wanted to fly them. Reese trained in both helicopters and fixed-wing planes, and during his first deployment to Vietnam, he was flying helicopters. Now, one day, as the helicopter returned from a mission in the Delta in South Vietnam, he and the crew heard a call for help come over the radio. A South Vietnamese battalion was ambushed by enemy forces and needed help. Reese said, it just happened. We were close at hand, and we felt that we could help. The first trip in, they picked up wounded and flew them out. Then they went in for more, and then they went a third time. By the third time, the Vietnamese soldiers just needed to get out, he said. There was a crew of four on the helicopter, and they could typically pick up maybe about six more people max, but they just stuffed them in there, taking as many as they could. They ended up taking 26 soldiers out. But by that third trip, the helicopter was low on fuel. It was getting dark and it was getting chaotic. The last landing was a very rough one, they said. I do recall just the look on the young Vietnamese soldiers' faces. Reese says he didn't think of the mission that he did that day as heroic. It was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing, he said. Still, for that spur-of-the-moment action, Reese was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross Medal. Reese served two combat tours in Vietnam. He stayed in the Army for 30 years, retiring as Chief of Staff of Army Recruiting Command in 1990. And how beautiful that he and other veterans were inducted into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame class of 2022. Bravo to him and all our great veterans and to you who served in Vietnam Welcome home. We love you, and we definitely appreciate you. You know, we've been talking about crime, and I think it is really outrageous that New York City Mayor Eric Adams has the audacity to say it's, quote, just the perception of crime, that it's really not crime. Well, the numbers definitely do not show what he is saying. It's much more than a perception. First of all, Perception in many ways on crime is a big deal, first of all, because people are scared, they're nervous, they don't want to go out, they don't want to take the subway system, uh, they don't want to go to the store, they're worried. It cascades, people don't want to travel, they don't want to come to New York because they're worried what's going to happen to them. But then also the statistics, get this, crime is surging this year, 31%, and transit crime is 41%. I mean, these are stunning numbers, these are not just, you know, Uh, some random number, that's a huge amount. And we have seen a number of cases of late where people have literally gotten pushed into the subways or people were stabbed. How about that EMT worker who was stabbed in the middle of the day? And the mayor's response is, it's perception. It's not reality. Well, the numbers are real and the fear is real. 
And he needs to get a handle on it. He can't sort of just wish it away and say, oh, you know, brush it off. I don't know what you're talking about. We see the headlines every single day, and it is consuming people. Because if you don't feel safe, you don't feel comfortable about going to work. You don't feel about your daily life. You're worried about your family. Nothing else really matters if you don't feel safe. And this mayor needs to get a handle on it. He was captain in the NYPD. He was in the NYPD force of all people. He should know how to make the city safe. And he has to stop with lip service and start with action because the numbers are bearing it out. And people are scared to death just walking down the street, not just of New York, but of other major, major cities in this country. And Democrats just sort of want to wish it away and think it's going to erase things. It is not. They have to have a plan and they have to face the facts that they got to get tough on these revolving door criminals, these repeat offenders. They can't sit there and say it's all guns, guns, guns. There's a lot of layers to this problem and they got to address all layers. And that is what's so stunning. Otherwise, things will never get solved. Stop with the lip service. It's not perception. The fear is real and the statistics are real. Crime is terrible. You need to fess up. And you need to start fixing things, too. And first off, here is a comment from Judge Jeanine Pirro talking about the reality of what's going on in the New York City subway. Crime is up on the subway. Uh, It's the highest it's been in 25 years. And the people riding the subway now, it's less than half of what it was two years ago. So we've got double, triple the crime with half of the people riding the subway. Homelessness is out of control. Crime on the subway is out of control. All of us have seen images of women being raped on a platform, of people being pushed in front of a train, of Asians being beaten at 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 a subway station. And I'm just talking about crime on the trains. You know, damn it. You know, every time someone is injured, he wants to talk about perception. Why don't you go out there and deal with the victims and the reality? And here's a little bit more of Judge Janine expanding on that one. The real problem is New Yorkers are desperate and they voted for that man because he was a former police captain. And everything that he's, that he's done has been yeah. inconsistent with that prior CV. I still want to see this guy with his sleeves rolled up out there at the scene of a homicide, bad-mouthing Albany for the, for the laws that we have. But for, I've seen people blame crime on circumstances, on the pandemic, on poverty. They blame it sometimes on the criminal, sometimes on the victim. This guy's blaming crime on our perception of whether or not we see it as a crime. He's wrong. The stats belie everything that he says. And you know what? If the mayor of New York City is going to get up and he's going to make a statement about statistics he ought to be right and greg gutfeld on fox news says this is all because democrats are in control there was a promise of this new mayor i think it's run out i don't think it's entirely his fault this is the fault of one party rule there is no resistance when the brake lines are cut right this is a single parent household and the single parent can't take the kid take care take care of the kids anymore the dems need republicans or you're going to end up like chicago you're going to end up like nyc minneapolis louisville san francisco la the only way this can work is if people work together and again mayor eric adams says it's perception i don't know what you guys are talking about And yet he does admit, not that there's too many criminals out there, he says there's too many guns out there, like as if they somehow shoot themselves. Take a listen. 
there are too many guns on our streets. We brought down homicides. We brought down um, victims of shootings. Uh, we continue to do the job. Our police department has done an amazing job, 27-year high. Uh, the thousands of guns we remove off our streets. But everyone must play the role. Judges must keep shooters in jail. Lawmakers make sure we don't make laws that allow them to return to our, our streets. And we have to prosecute these cases. There are too many guns on our streets. Too many guns. But yet crime is a perception. There just happens to be a whole bunch of guns just kind of laying around in a pile. And that's all there is. Let's not go after the criminals. Let's not go after mentally ill and put them behind bars. And those numbers that you see, the headlines that people see all around the world, not just New York, but all around the world, the impact of these headlines, that's just faked up fear, even though the numbers are well showing that the numbers are skyrocketing. Again, crime surging overall, 31%, Mr. Mayor. That's not a made-up number. That's reality. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jim on line six. Jim, uh, your thoughts about all this. Uh, good evening, Rita. Uh, there are three basic words that uh, that sum up everything. They all start with C. They're COVID, convenience, and crime. Now, the thing is, my son lives in Brooklyn. In fact, I spoke to Janine twice and lamented we have children in Brooklyn. Her daughter has since moved out. I've told my son, if you can use COVID as a reason to get out of going into the office in Manhattan, do so. I'm not concerned about COVID worried. He's vaccinated. He takes precautions. But it's the crime thing that keeps people out of Manhattan. I won't go to Manhattan. I won't take a train into Manhattan. And the reason is crime, not COVID. And I tell him the reason for him staying home is not convenient. Yeah, it would be nice to be convenient. But crime is the overriding issue. COVID, thank God, is pretty much under control. Convenience, I don't care if my son can do his work in his, in his pajamas at 10 o'clock. It's the crime thing. I don't want him on the subway. I don't want me on the subway. I don't want anybody on the subway. Isn't that scary? That And how sad is it? Um, because how are you going to fix things? Um, and to your point, there's a lot of people that feel like you, that they just don't want to yeah, go yeah. on the subway. You know, I've been yeah, on the yeah, subway, yeah. by the way, Jim, many a times. I think in the last few years, I've been on it once. Because it was like, again, I said a prayer. I was like uh, doing, uh, you know, doing the rosary while I'm on it, thinking, God, I hope yeah, I get yeah, off. When, when <laughs> he, he comes up to visit us maybe every month or so, and uh, my wife always says, you know, when you get home, please give us a call. And uh, but the fact is that people are using crime, COVID as a cover for crime to stay out of Manhattan. And as I said to him, I said, if your boss will buy the bit, you're afraid of COVID, blah, blah, blah. Even though it's not the truth, it'll keep it keeps you off, off the subways. It's a good reason to use. And it's a shame that I have to encourage my son to lie. But that's the way it is. It's, it's a situation. And, Jim, I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying is also that how sad that we have a mayor who's not acknowledging the crime that we all see all the time, that that's obviously you, you feel, I and, feel, and, we and, all feel, your son yeah. feels. Because you can't fix a problem. It's like if you're an alcoholic, Jim. If you're an alcoholic or something, you can't fix your issues if you don't acknowledge that you got a drinking problem. And it's like, how can you fix crime if you won't even admit that there really is crime? There's a huge difference between, you know, oh, it's a uh, perception. Let's just kind of ignore it. That's just somebody just thinks, you know, uh, 
that it's a, a cloudy outside. It's really not going to rain. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And then it rains and you go, oh, that was just a little drop, you know? I mean, it's, it's like that mindset. How else are you going to fix things if you don't admit you got a problem, Jim? I mean, that's a sad state of affairs for New York. This guy was going to be good because I figured as a former cop, he would be able to do things. And as I said to people, I said he could institute programs that if Rudy put them in, people would say Rudy was racist. But he can say, hey, I'm a black man and an ex-cop. I know how to fix things. Yeah, and but he has to be willing to admit that and even go up against his own party because it seems like his own party doesn't want to talk about crime. It's not just in New York. It's around the country. Jim, thank you very much. Uh, great points, too, about uh, the advice that you give your son, sadly. Um, but I think, you know, obviously you want to make sure that he and you are safe. That is the key. Let's go to Jeff. Line seven. Jeff, your thoughts about all this. It's scary times in New York, but even scarier. The mayor won't admit it. No, Rita, he's in denial. But he I don't know if he's just stupid or he's a – I don't know. Either way, when he took office, he said – he stated – I need a special detail because of the crime that the white supremacists are doing, and I have to make sure I'm protected. So my brother's going to run that detail. They put the kibosh on that. Okay, he stated that. I'm white. I don't Just like the man just said, I don't take the train anymore. I barely take the bus. I used to go into Manhattan all the time. You know what? I, I choose, other, I choose, I choose to, to do things differently. Uh, uh, maybe take the express bus. I don't go in so much. Uh, but that's what he did. And he labeled, he labeled, that's racist what the man did. And he's also been caught making racist statements on tape that he's going to tell the white boys how to do stuff. Now, well, and, listen, and, listen, and listen, and listen, and listen, I, I want to stay focused on the crime aspect here because your, your point is an interesting one when you brought up about the security detail. It reminds me a little bit of on the extreme end of it of Cori Bush. Uh, that's the congresswoman, of course, from Missouri, because she came out and was like, oh, she was the ultra defund the police. Adams was not a defund the policer. Um, that's not the case with him. Um, but he doesn't seem to be obviously increasing at a rapid pace. They did have a new group that got that got sworn in recently. So that was good uh, of the NYPD. I'm happy to hear that. Um, but she is the other end. She's like the defund, defund, defund. And yet it turns out that she spent about five hundred thousand dollars on private security you know it's like it's this sort of i need security but everybody else don't worry about it and there's something about the democrats that they're afraid to admit that there is a huge issue with crime because then they have to concede that their justice system is not working and adams once in a while throws lines out but he doesn't do anything to change it. He doesn't, you know, you know, he, oh, I am upset about repeat offenders, but he could get a lot more vocal. And I think his, you know, frustration is just the tip of the iceberg. My goodness. You know, this is why I'm not mayor. If I was mayor like day one, I would be like uh, so-and-so in Albany. I'd start calling them out. I'd call out Alvin Bragg. I put them all on notice and at least get people galvanized to realize where a lot of the problems are. But if you're not, you know, labeling them, then maybe you're part of the problem, Mr. Mayor. You know, Jeff, go ahead. Yeah, he, you know, it's just not fair. I just feel that um, it's not, not that it's not fair. He's not doing his right job. We elected the wrong guy. Curtis was the man. Curtis is in the, in the, in the trenches. He's there since for years. Adam stayed in the station house. He wasn't a street patrol cop. And he lied about that. He said, you know how many times I had to tell a, 
a mother that her son died. He never told the mother that the son died. Well, and I don't want to. I don't want to get into the whole rehashing, but you know, but you're right. Curtis certainly does know the subways well and knows what he's doing there. And we need somebody who understands law and order. One thousand thousand percent, no question about it. Let's go to Richard, uh, line six. Jeff, thank you very much. Great call. Let's go to Richard. Your thoughts. Hey, Rita, how you doing? Good, good, good. What do you think? What do you make of, of the fact that our mayor says it's all in our mind, you know? Well, well, you know what? Uh, since it's all in our mind, you know, uh, we got Lee's Elderman. I think that he should just gather everybody with Curtis and gather all the victims in New York City and have them stand at City Hall. And let's see how that is a perception of these people that lost their loved ones. Like the girl that lost her brother. He was shot in the chest in the train. And every time I hear someone speaking about somebody doing a crime, it's always, always, always some mental issue. Okay? There's a dirty little secret behind that, and one day we'll get to talk about that. But he needs, Lee Zellman needs to step, he needs to step up. He needs to really be vocal. He needs to be sharp in what he's saying, and he has to be decisive in what he's saying. He can't be stumbling on the radio and and speaking of something that's already re, already rehashed can't be that way. No, okay? he's got. The you're man, right. He's got. You're right. He's got to go for it. Let he's, me say this. Yeah, the go ahead. Is, the mayor is a joke. Okay, he doesn't do nothing. Okay, you tell that. You know, if it's my perception, what about the girl that got raped in the train? What about the Chinese ladies that got stabbed over forty something times? Okay, what about the lady that got her, her face kicked in? Okay, that she might be blind in one eye. Is that a perception? Please give me a break. Stop the rhetoric. Stop the crap and do your job. Yeah, I feel your pain too, Richard. I'm with you. I I get so angry too. I I feel like just as you said, I thought of those victims and, and the cases that you were talking about and others too. Because I agree when somebody says crime is a perception, I think it is such an insult to those victims who will be scarred physically and emotionally for life. Uh, I think it's a tremendous insult and a tremendous disservice to trying to fix the problem that we all see. And I agree with you. Some of these victims of crime, um, those that feel up to it physically, because obviously everybody's different and many of them have just been devastated physically and mentally. But if they can get out there and protest, I mean, they should be in front of like D.A. Bragg's office and others office because it is unbelievable what's happening and the public needs to see it. And there needs to be a unifying force to say, no more, no more. It's much more than a perception. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. There's no crime in New York. It's all in your head. According to Eric Adams saying crime, that it's out of control. It's a perception, except... Crime surging 31%. It's not a perception. It's a reality. Let's go to Billy real quick. Line one. Billy, your thoughts. Hi. Thanks for having Judge Janine Piero on and check out. Oh, Billy, Billy, thank you very much. We always love having her on. Let's go to Eddie. Line five. Go ahead, Ed. Sir, I, uh, my Danish Polish sister, I saw uh, Greg Kelly today. He had uh, cuts of Eric Adams on who said, I don't need any help. I'm going to do this all myself. And Dale Carnegie, who I worked for, said, I'm not the most intelligent person in the world, but I, I surround myself with intelligent people. Like if you were president, you would have a cabinet, right? 
And I think the most uh, the nicest thing about Columbus Day was seeing you and uh, Rudy Giuliani in a float. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. We had such a good time and it was, such it great was patriotic love. people. Did it, I do okay Italian waving love. to the crowd? <laughs> it was Italian love. Really. Then I met John Castellatides. He gave me a phone number for his phone number for like the business deal. And then Joe and Marita told Bartolomo, we're singing New York, New York. But I met Curtis Lewa and I said, you should have been mayor. He looked at me and goes, I was robbed, Eddie. I was robbed. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of people going, boy, we, we need we, somebody tough on uh, crime and God. somebody who we, knows the yes, subways. Yes, you know? we've we got to suffer through this. Uh, I, You know, there, there, was, there was someone, what, today or yesterday pushed on his tracks. It's, 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 it's horrible. Happening. Eddie, it's it happening. is it is horrible and it's one thousand percent heartbreaking. And Eddie, I, 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 I loved I loved also meeting you at the parade. It's so great to talk with you, Eddie. And uh and always so great to talk to my uh my Polish Danish compadre and now my Columbus Day Padre too. We love you, Eddie. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks, Ed. Let's go to Norman too on line three. Uh Norm, go ahead. Yeah, Rita. Um, I don't know what Mayor Adams is smoking. I know he's a big proponent of smoking pot, but the the subways are a nightmare. I take them every day. Um, I've never seen more uh, crazy people, more screaming people, more people smoking pot on the trains and cigarettes. Um, um, just, uh, you know, it's kind of gone back to the 70s and 80s, uh, my memories of that period. Uh, I have begun to carry a, a folding knife again. I didn't carry a knife for many years. I definitely feel like um, more unsafe. And uh, I don't see much of a police presence, at least on the L line. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people are saying that, Norm, that they're not seeing the police. We need to see more of that. And we also need a mayor who says it's a reality, not a perception. That's a good start. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.